0: Hello and welcome. This is your host, Attorney Alan Edmonds. And I want to welcome you to our continuing podcast series on security clearance appeals. And today's case is incredibly amazing in many respects. As you know, uh, I've been practicing security clearance law for over 45 years. My law firm, the Edmonds Law Firm, operates from five different states in the United States from uh, the East Coast in Washington, D.C. to Raleigh, North Carolina, San Diego, California, Texas, and Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm really excited about this particular episode uh, because it involves some people that are unsung heroes of our United States military. And uh, those people who I'm referring to are called linguists. And they are people that are indigenous to certain countries and have made a choice. They've made a choice to become patriots of the United States. And as a demonstration of that decision, uh, they have placed their lives in harm's way and uh, exposed themselves to uh, actual live combat in an attempt and a service to United States military personnel by performing uh, interpreter duties in the front line. And of course, these people have served in Afghanistan, they've served in Iran, Iraq, and uh, wherever there's conflict, wherever the United States military appears in foreign countries, they are assisted by linguists. What's interesting about linguists is that they uh, go outside the gate, so to speak, They're given uh, limited equipment. They're given uh, flak uh, jackets and uh, helmets, but they're not allowed to carry weapons. And they go side by side with military active duty on uh, local operations. And uh, they are exposed to enemy fire and they're exposed to IEDs and mortar fire. And yet they serve uh, the United States military. And uh, as a group of people, I have to say they are unsung heroes. And it's my pleasure to represent them from time to time before the various government federal agencies for their request to have a security clearance. And uh, the case involves often an allegation by the federal government that they're from a foreign country and therefore they're a risk to national security. Um, that seems to be an oxymoron because uh, in one instance we need linguists very very badly in these deployed areas where our troops are operating to combat terrorism and aggressive uh, enemies of the united states to be effective they have to have linguists that can alert them to conditions in the uh, battlefield and immediately uh, near their bases. Uh, I had the privilege and honor to represent an Iraqi uh, linguist recently. Um, I've got the decision in front of me. I'm going to read portions of it to you. But uh, the purpose of this podcast is to show you that uh, you can get a security clearance, even though you may be from a foreign country, even though you may become uh, a linguist and be subject to rules and regulations of the United States military, and even though you may have relatives that are in a foreign country, you can overcome the presumption that the federal government brings in their statement of reasons, alleging that there's a risk to national security by allowing individuals from foreign countries to have a clearance, and particularly linguists. I've been doing this for over 40 years, and I wanna tell you, linguists sometimes have to immigrate to the United States on refugee status. Uh, They are pursued in their home country by hostile governments. Their families can be uh, the subject of uh, undue influence or coercion and uh, sometimes death. And yet knowing that these men and women return to the military bases occupied by US forces in foreign lands to serve our country and to serve the military. Uh, my case today involved one such individual. <clears throat> he received an SOR because he had a mother who was a resident of Iraq. She also became a resident of the United States. He had a brother uh, in Iraq. He had a sister in Iraq and um, he had a second sister in Iraq and um, he had an uncle And then there was some property in Iraq that was owned by his mother uh, that had a value according to the government of uh, $500,000, which he uh, disinherited. He wanted nothing to do with it. The amazing thing about this case is that um, uh, bad news travels fast, so to speak. And the linguist community knows that if you wanna get a security clearance, you have to disassociate yourself with your family members. There are some administrative judges that say, No, you you don't have to stop talking to your parents, but the practical effect is what this individual faced was the very real uh allegation against him that he had contact with his immediate family members. So this individual, what came out, I took this case personally to trial. It was in California, and uh I prepared him and his testimony. We prepared over uh uh, 20 different exhibits. And um, I took this to trial and we established uh, a lot about this man's life. I showed that he stopped having contact with his family members in 2010. That was over 11 years ago. He immediately uh, ceased upon his departure, contact with his family members And the only one that he had any contact with at all, which was only once or twice a year, was his mother, who was elderly and had serious medical problems. So the first thing that stood out about this incredible human being was that he put the United States first and he put the United States first in front of his brothers and sisters and his uncle who were left in Iraq. Um, The facts will tell you that he was born in Iraq. He's 43 years old, and he worked as a linguist in the United States military as early as 2008. Uh, He relinquished his Iraqi citizenship in 2016, and then he worked as a linguist um, in Jordan between 2016 and 2017, Uh, and he works at the time of this hearing for the United States Army in Kuwait as a linguist. The uh, SOR, as I indicated, uh, spoke about uh, immediate family members, brothers and sisters that had jobs in Iraq, uh, some of which were administrative jobs in the Iraqi government, but he had no contact with them. He swore off contact with them. And uh, so we took this case to a hearing. And uh, it's interesting because under guideline B, the government alleged that the applicant is ineligible for a clearance because he had contacts and property interests in iraq well we showed that the contacts were not close and continuous in fact they ceased in 2010 with the exception of his mother and uh, relative to the property interest we demonstrated with documents that he's not to any property and that he disinherited the property so the uh, case was starting to shift in the courtroom, and that frequently happens when you go to trial. I've done over three thousand five hundred cases, and good attorneys are able to turn the tide on these cases uh, with the right evidence and the right preparation. The staff at the Edmonds Law Firm is filled with professional, professional uh, paralegals and attorneys that know how to create a defense or a mitigation case to uh, overcome the allegations of the government. In this case, uh, the facts that uh, were also entered into evidence uh, demonstrated that he was issued a badge to enter his military base in Iraq and a CAC card uh, to enter certain facilities in other countries. There was uh, no... uh, use of names of particular bases or of the companies he worked for, uh, we felt that that should have remained um, confidential or classified. So nothing was uh, mentioned on those issues. Um, The judge made an interesting observation. I'm reading from a very, very lengthy decision uh, about the guidelines. And guideline B is the guideline that's in play here, which is foreign influence and foreign preference And it has to do with the risks to national security uh, for an individual that comes from another country. But here, listen to what this judge said. Uh, He said, quote, these guidelines are not inflexible rules of law. Instead, recognizing the complexities of human behavior, these guidelines are applied in conjunction with the factors listed in the adjudicative process As you know from these podcasts and from my YouTube videos, guideline B has statements of aggravation, things that would give rise to a denial of a clearance, but the guidelines also contain mitigation. And that's what the judge was saying here. Um, He was saying that these rules are not uh, inflexible. They're not concrete. And he says that the administrative judge must consider all available reliable information about the person past and present favorable and unfavorable and of course he uh, repeats something that is very very important to know which is any doubt concerning personnel being considered for national security eligibility will be resolved in favor of national security so you really have to have an experienced attorney if you're going to go in uh to a hearing on these cases and herein is a major reason why you do not want to represent yourself many of you are brilliant computer scientists you're brilliant engineers mathematicians i have worked with many of you uh, from those professions it's a joy to do so and uh, you're great at your job but when it comes to a presentation of a case in a courtroom where there's a US attorney, a judge, a court reporter, you fall short in your performance. And what happens is the clearance is denied. And then a case that looked really easy to you uh, is suddenly very threatening because your clearance is revoked and your job requires you to have a clearance and therefore you're marched out the door and you're unemployed. This is far too risky and far too important for you to represent yourself. I hope you'll call me, Alan Edmonds, at 800-481-2526. So this case uh, came down to uh, real litigation. A lot of documents were uh, marked as exhibits and introduced and um, the developing mitigating factors were a result of a lot of hard work on behalf of my staff. When we got this result, um, people in my office congratulated me and I responded and I said, this is a team effort. I was only as good as all the documents in the trial notebook that my team prepared. And I was pleased to have arguments available because we produced the evidence. And the evidence is where many attorneys and lay people that try and represent themselves fall far short. Uh, the judge said in this case, it needs to be noted that the mere possession of close family ties with a person in a foreign country is not, as a matter of law, disqualifying under guideline B. And uh, that's exactly the crack in the wall that I created. Um, the judge went on to say, because of my argument and my evidence, The applicant has virtually no relationships with his five family members in Iraq, with the exception of his mother, who lives part-time in the United States. He left his family in 2010, before his father died at age 35, and has turned his back on them, meaning his family and his country of birth, for a new life in the United States. Because of our evidence, the judge concluded There is no conflict of interest. However, applicant's sense of loyalty or obligation to his family members in Iraq is minimal and his loyalties to his country of choice, the United States are deep as first evidence in 2007 by his service to the United States Army in Iraq as a linguist. What I did is I recreated this human being. He became an American citizen he was no longer an Iraqi citizen. And I showed his love for the United States. I showed that he put his life on the line continuously. And there was evidence that he entered uh, war zones where there was hostile fire. There was evidence that people were uh, blown up uh, in close proximity to him uh, by IEDs. And there was evidence that he took mortar fire at night in his barracks so this was a very powerful case i was privileged to represent this individual and i would be privileged to represent you just remember i am your security clearance attorney uh, with just one phone call 800-481-2526 and if you're a linguist i want to say thank you for your service if you're a linguist i want to say Thank you for your sacrifice, and I hope you will continue to work for the United States and the United States military. Thank you.